0: I invite you to remain standing as today we read from the 6th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, part of what is referred to as the Sermon on the Plain. These are words from our <clears throat> excuse me, Lord Jesus Christ for each one of us. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you, If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what cre- credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Please be seated. We again say a word of greeting this morning to all of you. We're thankful for your presence here in the sanctuary. We also say a word of greeting to those who are watching online and on television. We are truly grateful that you would be a part of our service of worship as well. We want to say a word of greeting to those in Stuttgart, Benton, Bryant, Conway, and certainly a word of greeting to those who are in our hospitals who are watching on television. We are grateful for your presence with us as well. We continue our series of sermons, God is Big Enough. Today, we talk about letting love lead. Let us bow our heads. Oh Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives, amen. When I was in the ninth grade, I was quarterback of the freshman football team. We had a terrible team. We lost every game. During the course of the season, as a result of being so poorly coached, in my opinion, and having such poor athletes along the way as well, the combination is not very good, we had a number of players quit. Our team went down from about 30 players to 15 in just a matter of weeks. But we stuck it out, we kept playing, the morning of the last game of the year, we were 0-9. and 9. The previous three games, we had not scored a point. That morning, I was in conversation, a heated conversation, with a former teammate of mine who had quit. He was making fun of the team and how poorly we played. He was laughing at me. He was laughing at lots of others who were on the team. And I said, of course, you have no right to say anything because you quit. We got into a heated exchange, and before long, we got into a fight. During the course of the fight, I threw a punch with my right hand, landing on his left cheek, putting an end to the fight. But I also, in the process, broke my throwing hand. It was the last game of the year. The varsity team was gonna be in the playoffs and I was gonna be bumped up to the backup quarterback as a freshman for the varsity football team, but so much for that. My season was over. It was a good punch though, I mean, it landed square. (laughs) Took him down, took him down. I had to wear a cast for a number of weeks on my right hand. It was awkward for me because I write right-handed. And so there was some difficulty along the way. On weekends, I had a job with a local contractor doing odd jobs, cleaning out houses that had just been built. And on this particular day, a windy day, he said to me, John, I want you to go out and I want you to go over to this driveway, this asphalt driveway, and I want you to take tar and pour tar in all of those holes along the way. I did that throughout the day and covered my cast in tar. At the end of the day, another buddy of mine who was working on another site came over and said, what's all over your cast? I said, it's tar. I've been pouring tar all day long. He said, I got an easy remedy to get it off. I said, really, what is it? He said, pour gasoline on it, it'll come right off. I said, that's a great idea. I poured gasoline all over that cast, and it took the tar off, but it also took off a lot of skin as well. That evening when I got home from work, my dad asked me about the day, and I said, Dad, I'm a little uncomfortable because after I poured gasoline on my cast, he said, I beg your pardon, you did what? I said, it's really starting to hurt a lot. He went out and got a set of pruning shears and started cutting off my cast, and it had taken off A couple of layers of skin and I remember my dad saying to me why would you do something so stupid and I said dad are you talking about getting into a fight that started this to begin with or are you talking about the gasoline and he said I'm talking about all of it John why didn't you just walk away And I thought to myself time and again, how much grief I experienced as a result of not walking away from that fight. There was no need for a fight. I could have just walked away. I could have put an end to it all together, but I didn't. So I finished my season sooner than I would like. I lost skin on my wrist and my hand. It was a lot of grief for very little benefit. Why didn't I just walk away? That would have been the easy thing. Or would it have been the easy thing? See, one of the challenges that we face with regard to what it is Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Plain is that what he expects from us is more than difficult. It is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to do so. What Jesus says is that, as followers of his, we are to live by a higher standard. We are not to be like the world. And sometimes that means that we have to contradict human nature, the immediate desire to lash out or strike back. In fact, our responsibility, Jesus says, is to let love lead with regard to how it is we deal with every relationship, even the volatile ones. Think about it for a moment. Jesus, in essence, says in the Sermon on the Plain, we are to choose God's form of reciprocity over the world's form. See, we say things all the time like, well, they had it coming to them. They deserved it. They brought it on themselves. That's why I got into the fight. That's why I had the verbal altercation. That's why I sent that kind of email. They had it coming to them. But Jesus says that we are to live by a different standard. We are to let love lead, which means that we have to find within ourselves the capacity to be more like Christ than maybe at any other point in our lives when we face conflict and we are ready to unleash our fury. Now remember, in our relationship with God, we don't get what we deserve. We oftentimes say they got it because they deserved it. We don't get what we deserve from God. What we deserve is punishment oftentimes, and what we get instead is grace and mercy. And what Jesus says is that we are to live the way God treats us in our relationship with other people. We treat them like God treats us. Instead of lashing out and striking back, our responsibility, says Jesus, is to show love and grace. Let love lead, which is incredibly challenging, particularly in the heat of the moment. We live in a world today where we are accustomed to people lashing out in a variety of ways. It is commonplace. It has always been commonplace. But if we really do follow Jesus Christ and we are to emulate his life, and he is fundamentally the example to all of us of how we live in relationship with God and in relationship with each other, then what we have to remember is that we have to let love lead in the decisions that we make with regard to how it is we respond to any given situation. We all know that if we face some kind of evil or some kind of hate-filled act, our natural inclination is to respond accordingly. But we also all know that when we do that, it simply simply escalates or exacerbates the situation, making it oftentimes even worse. And that's the challenge for all of us. In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, it says we are not to seek revenge but we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. That is an Old Testament reference. Don't seek revenge. In the New Testament, in the book of Romans, Paul quotes Proverbs 25. Do not repay evil with evil. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. It flies in the very face, oftentimes, of our natural inclination to strike back. And so Jesus places this enormous responsibility on us to live by a greater, higher standard. Love your enemy. Pray for those who curse you. If someone takes from you something that doesn't belong to them, but is your property, let them have it. Now, I'm not always comfortable with that, quite frankly. Nor are you. And yet, that's the standard by which we are to live. See, our response is not predicated on someone else's behavior. We don't determine how we're going to respond to a given situation only after the behavior has taken place. Our response is to be the same before and after the event happens. We are to let love lead because our character is determined by the character of God. And what is the character of God? In verse 35, Jesus says, God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So guess what we have to do? Be kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Now, doesn't that sound appetizing? Isn't that appealing? If you're unkind to me, I'm going to be unkind back. But Jesus says, no, you're not. That's human nature. But you live by a greater, higher standard. If someone is unkind to you, show them what God shows you, mercy and grace and love, because we have to let love lead, says Jesus. G.K. Chesterton, the famous Catholic theologian said, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because they are generally the same people. Isn't that the truth? Most of the time, the arguments we get into or the issues we have are with people that we are around or we're familiar with, family, coworkers, neighbors, church folk and if we really do profess to believe in the one who personified love and if we really are trying to make an effort to live as he lived then that high standard that he sets for ourselves that we cannot achieve alone has to be a part of the makeup of who we are and that is extraordinarily difficult and challenging it forces us to stop and think in the moment without just naturally reacting to the given situation. We never take an example from someone about how to combat evil, who uses evil when evil is inflicted on them. We live in a world where hate-filled speech, and all kinds of means of striking back are now almost acceptable. I have a right to my opinion. I'm not gonna let someone talk to me like that. And Jesus reminds us that if we will let love lead and we fight hate and evil with love, it is amazing how that hate and evil can be diminished significantly. Oftentimes, couples find themselves in a heated exchange over usually something fairly petty. And it escalates and it gets bigger because neither side is willing to relent. And oftentimes, in relationships like that, where they escalate it to such a degree that it becomes volatile every time there is a conflict, those relationships are doomed. The responsibility in a relationship like that is to be the one who steps up and lets love lead. And sometimes that means turn the other cheek, and what that means is walk away. Don't strike back, don't lash out, because in the moment it feels so good, because it's not always gonna feel that good. Now we have the great example in our Lord Jesus Christ, of course, Jesus himself, who was spit upon and whipped, and stripped, and nailed to a cross, never lashed out or struck back at anyone when they did any of that. And one of the primary reasons why Jesus did not lash out or strike back when he could have easily done so was because he would have compromised everything that he had taught up to that point in one fell swoop with one swipe of the hand. Jesus is the one who says to us, you are to love your neighbor as yourself, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love your enemy, pray for those who curse you, love those who hate you. If Jesus in the moment, when he had every right to do so, most of us would think, could have done so, he refused to do so, but he maintained his credibility as the one who is known as the Prince of Peace because of his unwillingness to lash out or strike back. And we know lashing out and striking back comes in all kinds of forms. It's not just physical, it is verbal. It can be done emotionally. It can be done online, as we know. There are all kinds of ways in which we can do that, but letting love lead really is a form of resistance against evil. Martin Luther King Jr. was stabbed on one occasion by a deranged woman. He was roughed up by police many times. He was badly beaten by a white man. We all know that his life was threatened repeatedly. And this is what Martin Luther King said. We can't use violence or become the very evil we are fighting against. Isn't that the truth? The reason we don't like evil is because it's evil, because it's wrong, because it's hurtful. But the challenge for us is not to use that which is evil or wrong or hurtful in defense. Jesus says that our weapon against all of that has to be love because that's the way God treats us with mercy and grace and forgiveness and love and If we follow the one who is God in flesh named Jesus, then we have to live by that standard and you all I don't like that sometimes Because I don't have the patience Because I can rehearse what I'm gonna do when I want to get back at somebody If somebody says something mean to me, even if they're not in my presence, then I've got time to really think about it. I mean, if they say this, this is what I'm gonna say. And if they respond that way, this is how I'm gonna respond. I mean, I get it worked out masterfully well. But every time I do that in the moment, it feels so good, it feels so good. And then in a short period of time, I would give anything not to have done it. You know what that's like. Now listen, Jesus is not saying that we need to be a pushover. And he is not saying that if we are being abused, allow the abuse to continue. But what he is saying is that when we face hate or evil, we don't have to respond in kind. We can respond in a different way, in a way that calms the waters, in a way that doesn't escalate the situation. I just recently read a book called The Gentleman's Modern Handbook. It's about how to be a gentleman in the modern day world in which we live, about how to dress, how does one respond in a given situation, what fork one is to use when sitting at the table, all kinds of things. It's just a fascinating read for me. And in this book, it describes how in the middle part of the 18th and 19th centuries, Most men only owned a couple of shirts. So if they were gonna get into a fisticuff, if they were gonna get into a fight, what was the common thing to do first was that both men who were gonna go to blows would take off their shirts. So of course, not to dirty the shirt. When you only own a couple of them and you might get blood on them, you wanna make sure, of course, that the shirt is taken off. So it was customary before the battle took place for a man to remove his shirt. And the way the fight did not take place, however, was when one of the men refused to take off his shirt and would say, ah, keep your shirt on. You remember that phrase? That's where it comes from. It was a means of turning the other cheek. If you didn't take your shirt off, it meant I'm not gonna escalate this anymore. I'm not going to battle against you. If you kept your shirt on, you walked away. I am oftentimes still amazed to this very day at how many self professing Christians can be so incredibly mean. It happens all the time over political matters or religious matters or social issues. It even happens in the life of the church. Over my years in ministry, I can tell you, I have gotten some of the meanest emails you can possibly imagine. And I think almost every clergy person could say that. I mean, I've gotten them that they're so personal. You look like an idiot in those glasses, take them off. Really? I mean, you sent me an email for that? I mean, I've had people who are angry. Most of the time they're angry over some decision that's made in the life of the church that they don't agree with. Or you're moving to a new church and on your way out, someone says, I just got to say this. So they do. So often when that happens to me, my natural response in the moment is to fire off an email that will unleash a level of fury that person has never seen before. And I think, you coward, you sent me an email. Be man enough or woman enough to come to my office. Whatever it may be. I mean, I, again, I rehearse it, I think about it, but one of the things that I learned a long time ago is that I don't want to respond in the moment. I need to step away from it. Now, I'll stew over it for who knows how long, and I'll go home and tell Susan all about it, and then that upsets her, and then I wish I hadn't told her, and then it just, you go back and forth. But one of the things I've learned is I have never, ever responded the way I wanted to. I either don't respond at all, or I am so syrupy and so sappy with love that I never hear from that person ever again. And that's what Jesus is saying. You know what Jesus would say if you were standing here today? If you get a hateful email, you know what? Turn off your computer. Walk away. Count to 10,000, and then... Think about what it is you're going to say, but what do you say? You don't try to get up on them, one leg up on them. I've been told by one person that I was icky, by a grown woman that I was icky. I wanted to say, icky, what are you, 14? But I can't do that. I mean, I've, I've had people say all kinds of things, men and women, and I wonder why would you say that? I mean, what is the intent? And then you get below that and you start to read other things, and it's just... Awful. So I want to be awful back. And Jesus says, You have no right to do that. You choose God's form of reciprocity, not your natural desire. Because natural desire causes more pain and a greater level of suffering, and it simply escalates the situation. So we respond in love we let love lead. And if we let love lead, we are always, always better for it. Love your enemy. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Love those who hate you. Pray for those who curse you. And do it with love. Let love lead. And you will always be grateful. Hallelujah. Amen.